Cats podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats podcast. I am your host, Stacey LeBaron. I've been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. Today, we are speaking with Rob Leinberger. Rob has an amazing girlfriend, two children, a dog, a cockatiel, a bearded dragon, and a red-footed tortoise. He's an Eagle Scout and worked as a veterinary assistant during high school. In December 1991, he became an animal control officer for Chesterfield County. Rob joined Richmond Animal Care and Control in January of 2016 as the animal control supervisor. He teaches an animal control basic course for new animal control officers in the region. Rob has an associate's degree in police science and a bachelor's degree in human resource management. In 2011, he completed a master's degree in human resource management at the University of Richmond. In October 2009, he was elected to the board of directors for the Virginia Animal Control Association and currently serves as its president. In September of 2012, Rob joined the board of directors for the National Animal Care and Control Association and currently serves as president also. Rob, welcome to the show. Thank you. Congratulations on being president for so many organizations. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Congratulations are my sympathies, depending on how you think about it. (laughs) So, Rob, I just wanted to find out first, you touched in your bio about how you got started, but tell me a little bit more about your involvement and how you got introduced to uh, Community Cats. Yeah, the world has changed quite a bit when it comes to, to the care and management, I guess you could say, of cats. So in my 25-year career, um, the, the whole concept, I think, of community cats or feral cats was was just a, a grain of thought in, in people's minds 25 years ago. And it has evolved tremendously. Just the, just the things that are done, the, the concepts that are thought about, the, the involvements, the programs, the the, the the whole discussion of it has, has really changed. And, and honestly, I've changed my own opinion. 25 years ago, I thought, oh, okay, well, we'll just pick up the cat or somebody will turn it in. If you can't do anything with it, then the standard procedure was, regrettably, to euthanize it. Now, though, as years have progressed, the, the, my, even my own mind has changed. My own way of thinking is, hey, you know what, let's, let's, let's approach this differently and do better things. Be more involved and, uh, and try to work this out so that these animals aren't just euthanized. And this is what you've seen around the country as well as within Richmond. I mean, you've been in the, the Richmond area for, for quite a while and sort of in Virginia. What have you seen over the last 20 years or so specifically in Virginia? Oh, absolutely. There, there's change. Certainly, there's still resistance to change because change is, is a it's a tough word. But there is there are a lot of communities that I have have seen throughout the years that they've decided on their own, just as a community or or a, a locality, that hey, we're going to go ahead and, and work on a community cat program and we're going to implement our own thing, so to speak. And some are very robust because they have they have good resources, they have good fiscal management. Some are, are more of a, 
a hodgepodge, so to speak, but their their intent is fantastic and they're, they're headed in the right direction. But the trend that I have seen, Virginia and nationwide, is 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 more of that involvement, more of the uh, let's do things, let's spay, let's neuter, let's vaccinate. The newest addition is is microchipping. So there's a lot of talk, a lot of involvement, and people are really taking this seriously. They're becoming more involved, which I think is going to help. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one of the challenges that I certainly see with animal control officers is that there's a, a major struggle in terms of the amount of resources that are available to them. They certainly aren't paid what they should be paid, and they also may want to help, but they don't have the resources to help. There have been a couple of programs where animal control officers do have access to free spay-neuter funds, and so they can issue vouchers to residents in the community to help them get their pets spayed or neutered or the community cats spayed or neutered, which I think is tremendously and has been is tremendous and has been well received because then it gives an animal control officer something to to share within that community. Do you feel that in general animal control officers, you know, have these challenges all across the country? Oh, oh, absolutely. And everything that you just mentioned, the financial aspects of things, say for example, if you're the only animal control officer in your community, the care of community cats may regrettably not be at the top of your list, whereas as loose dogs might be your number one priority. So time, time management is, is a factor in all of this. And what I have seen uh, in a lot of cases is also uh, what the legal system allows. So for example, in, in many places in Virginia, cats are not required to be contained, like dogs are often required to be contained by law, whereas cats aren't. So in some cases, the, the animal control officer is hampered to some extent by the legal system because they simply can't enforce something that doesn't exist. So no leash law, for lack of better words, no leash law for cats. Therefore, they can't legally pick up cats in a lot of cases. So different issues that, that make it harder for animal control officers, yet at the same time, I have seen animal control officers who get creative and so they have the, and, and by being creative, they have the help of the community as well. So that's where, you know, the animal control officer can't do it by, you know, by themselves. So they, they have the help from the community. Uh, so it's a community effort. Uh, it's a group effort to, to make it a little bit, a little bit easier. Right. I mean, those legal challenges kind of bend my mind quite a bit because there, there are parts of the country where you're not allowed to do trap, neuter, return. Correct. Right. And Virginia and, can't. And so that is a huge obstacle. Absolutely. And so how can, so as you talk about mentioning the word creative, and I think that's great, but it just, it frustrates me because I've been involved with so many projects that have been specifically targeted trap, neuter, return projects where you have a huge reduction in the number of free roaming cats in that community by reaching as close as we can get to 100% sterilization as possible, um, you know, to the point that up here in you know New England we're short on cats and kittens in shelters, and so there's a lot more cats coming in from other parts of the country, but yet have legislation is so hard to undo once it's been done that it, it's a huge obstacle. And here you have animal control working as a public servant, and it's sort of wrapped in this sort of vicious package, I would say. It does make for a challenging means of, of both enforcing the law, but at the same time, making sure that all the animals 
all the cats and dogs are, are cared for uh, in a proper way, in an adequate way. That that's that's good for both the animal and the community. Now, as president of NACA, you have a brochure that your organization put out about community cats. Is it basically just a, a general educational brochure that your members can refer to? Absolutely. Anybody can. They can go to the NACA website and look at a packet of guidelines. And community cat management is one of those guidelines. And it's it's a broad based guideline, but it, it gives kind of a, a sort of a template or at least a, a, a positive approach to how can how can localities look at management of, of community cats and, and basically with uh, j- just the basics, the, the trap and neuter, the microchipping, licensing possibly, vaccinations, and coming up with, with something that's effective. Because every locality is going to have their, they're going to have their differences in, in how they they do things. This one, this guide guideline just gives a generic approach to, to getting it out there and getting people to talk about it. With community cats, there's a lot of negotiation that usually goes on in a neighborhood where there's a large colony involved. As an animal control officer, whenever you've gotten involved in one of those situations, if a situation has been sort of contentious. What has your role been in trying to find a a solution in that area? That's where having a good, solid communication skill is so important because you do have both sides of the coin. And I have found in my career that both sides are right and neither side is wrong unless you're the other side. Then you, you have to, you have to have that communication. You have to be able to, to talk with people. And in some cases, public safety and public health trumps everything else. So, for example, on a, on a few rare occasions, I've been involved where a, a cat has tested positive for rabies and it's been in a community cat or, or colony. And regrettably, animal control has to step in and remove many, if not all, of the cats due to a public safety issue. Thankfully, that's few and far between. Whereas the rest of them, if it's something that the cats are in people's yards or there's somebody that's upset about cats, usually having a good communication with them as well as the the, the people that are trying to help tends to work out the best in in trying to find that common ground. But it is. It's it's a lot of negotiations, a lot of good communications, and it's public education. I I think that's just amazingly important to to have out there is that the, that the public is educated on all the aspects of, of taking care of cats in general, whether it's your own cat or whether it's a cat out roaming in the community. Yeah, that's one of those roles that would be uh, great if animal control officers had the, the time and the, the tools to be able to spend more time on that community education component. I feel like animal control often ends up being much more reactive, you know, responding to this call and that call and that call, but not really necessarily being able to look at the community holistically and providing some some tools that help with the general wellness, I guess, and education about animal welfare in the community. Oh, absolutely. I did in my career. I know I. I feel like I have often just gone from 
one fire to the next, putting out one fire and going to the next fire, putting that out. So it, it is tough to to find that 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 time. So again, time management is is pretty important. But then that's where again the animal control officer gets creative and maybe you're doing it on the phone while you're finishing up the last call for service that's what I found myself doing I'm, I'm sitting in the driveway of the person that I just talked to about their dog running loose and now I'm on the phone with somebody about stray cats or roaming cats and, and connecting them with the resources these are the people that that have extra food that that maybe we could use here is the low-cost spay and neuter clinic that's got slots available, free slots available for spay and neuter. Uh, here are the folks that will offer traps that that are that can be rented for free. So it's it's that whole uh, that whole again the negotiation and and the the resources and tapping into the resources. So yeah, it's it's a lot of time management. That's for sure for animal control officers. Right, and it sounds like community partnerships and networking. Oh, you have to. It, 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 you cannot. I have learned you cannot. You have to put your you have to put your ego aside, <laughs> and you have to put your pride aside, and and be able to recognize that this is not something that you can do by yourself. You cannot do it by yourself. You have to have those resources and and those those connections. And those are the communities that I have seen that do the best because they have a network of, of both animal control, governmental. Uh, and the community, whether it be veterinarians, whether it be businesses, nonprofits, low-cost spay and neuter clinics, all of the above. And that, that's how it's the most effective. If you like the Community Cats podcast and would like to help promote Community Cats in your state, then we need you. We're looking for a couple of people from each state to be Community Cats ambassadors. What do you get by being an ambassador? You'll be mailed a promo kit of items to use to help promote the show at any event that you attend in your state. If you don't attend many events, hey, that's okay too. Do you have a network of people that love community cats? You can help with emailing groups in your state to let them know about the CCP and offer them the benefit of community cat swag. The more we can spread the word about the show, the more we can do to help cats across the country. Please email Stacy S-T-A-C-Y, at communitycatspodcast.com if you'd like to represent your state. Thank you. <coughs> Ever feel like you are overwhelmed by all the paperwork for your community cats? On Thursday, February 23rd at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, we are holding a webinar about Cat Stats, a free database tool that will help keeping track of your colonies easy to do. To sign up, check out communitycatspodcast.com or email Stacy S-T-A-C-Y, at communitycatspodcast.com. If you were a small group just getting started in a community, how would you approach your animal control officer? Me personally, I am fond of donuts. So that's how I would start. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I have found that the demand approach is never the best approach. If you go into the animal control office and say, hey, you need to do this, you need to do that, the the wall of, of the the wall is going to go up immediately, whereas you go in and you start a conversation of, I'm here to help or we're here to help. How can we make things easier? How can we improve things in the community? How can we help you do your job more effectively? So it's that whole helping attitude. Now, the animal control officer needs to, to also be on the, uh, you know, reciprocate all of that and, and okay, 
and be willing to accept that help. It, it is hard. Again, that pride and ego needs to be tucked away. Both sides need to be able to recognize that. that this is common goal is they're helping the animal. So putting ego and pride aside, you can have a good conversation. I have also felt that it's important as a group to sort of introduce themselves to either the Board of Health or the Chief of Police, whoever is the supervisor for animal control, obviously including animal control in that, but not just introducing, but actually presenting a written plan of this is just has to be a one page document saying this is what we are hoping to achieve over the course of the next year. And we would hope to have your support with this because it will reduce reduce the number of community cats and the, the reduce the number of cats in need in the area. And I have found sort of going to them ahead of time before you're really out there and about, then they feel like they're kind of in on the secret before you're, you're out there. So everybody feels that that's a pretty good relationship. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, just having a meeting, regular meetings are so tremendously beneficial. Everybody, then everybody's literally on the same page that communication with different different folks in the organization. So not just, you mentioned the chief of police, maybe the, the sheriff of the locality, if that's who the, the, uh, the law enforcement head is, Department of Health, Parks and Recreation, as many people that have a, a potential vested interest as possible so that everybody's on board. Right, and I would say from the group's perspective, having the animal control officer as a partner and having a written letter of recommendation from that animal control officer, if it's appropriate, can really help them secure some good grant funding. Oh, certainly, certainly. That it's just a stronger it's a stronger relationship, and it looks obviously it looks better when you you've got all the partners, the community, the nonprofit, the the animal control, when they're all on the same page and their end goal is the same thing. Then yes, yes. It's much better. And businesses even, I have found, that are much more willing to to be involved. Local car dealerships, pet stores, they have started to become involved. And especially when they see that everybody else is on board. And granted, there's some PR to that when they're on board. But again, they're part of the community. And so when they're on board as well, and you've got, like I said, car dealerships, pet stores, hardware stores that are that are on board and helping, it's even that much stronger. Looking down the road about 10 years or so, what do you think that the nation and Virginia is going to look like for community cats? I think it's going to be much better because the talking and the communicating has has just continued to increase. The communities, the, the localities themselves are doing it and are increasing what they're doing with community cats. They're, they're starting their own programs within their localities, and that's usually what occurs, I've, at least in Virginia I've seen. The localities start doing the programs, and then the state decides that, you know what, it's working in multiple localities. We're going to push this on a state level. Access to social media has, has helped tremendously. So I see care of community cats and, and the ability to, to do things really expanding and, and getting that much better. If you saw a stray cat on the street, what would you do? Oh, wow. From an animal control viewpoint, <laughs> I, 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 I'm not sure that I would do a lot just knowing what the laws are. 
Uh, certainly, if that animal looked like it was in dire straits, injured, sick, whatever the case may be, then 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 yes, my my animal control mind for will we'll kick in there and, and, and want to make sure that that, that animal helped. But I would recommend to just folks in general, if you see a cat, do the same thing. See how that cat is. There may be a community cat area there. It may actually belong to somebody. I try to look for collars. Um, maybe the cat's microchipped. There's a lot of different things that, that, that go through my mind now. If people are interested in finding out more from you or from NACA, how would they find you? The best thing is to go to our website, nacanet.org. We have all of the guidelines, the, the community cat one specifically is on there, as well as, as, as many others, and everything related to, to the National Animal Care and Control Association is on our website. And Rob, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today? No, I think that's, that's, that's been good. <laughs> if someone was interested in becoming an animal control officer, what sort of advice would you give them? Be involved. Go to your local animal control agency. See what they do. Do a ride-along. Talk to the people that are, that are in the business. Uh, that's the best way to, to get an idea of, hey, this could be a possible career. Rob, I want to thank you so much for agreeing to be a guest on my show, and I hope we'll have you on again in the future. Absolutely. Thank you. Do you have the perfect selfie with you and one of your cats to share with us for Valentine's Day? Submit your photos to our My Feline Valentine contest and enter to win prizes. A $50 Amazon gift card, books from New York Times bestselling author Cheryl Richardson. Cheryl Richardson's team will be judging the selfies to determine who should win a prize. Winners will be announced on March 8th. As we get submissions, we will also be sharing some of our best photos on our Facebook page, so keep a lookout there. Check out communitycatspodcast.com to find out how to submit your selfie. 